Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. We're live from Terrigal Basketball Stadium. Alongside me, Michael Butner, who played for New South Wales, played for Australia, captain the Australian schoolboys, played with North Sydney, Parramatta on a couple of occasions, including the 2001 Grand Final, and also the West Tigers. Butes, good morning to you, mate. And it feels a little strange on this Saturday because the footy is over for 2022. What are we going to do with ourselves, Steve? Good morning to you. And uh, it has been... A big four weeks of NRL AFL action, final series, the grand final last weekend was, I won't say it was a great game, but it was a great performance from a Penrith side that have absolutely dominated over the last three years. And uh, they showed it, I've got to say, I, I think the score probably flattered the Parramatta side, 28 points to 12. It was only two late tries uh, in the last five minutes to the Parramatta side. But prior to that, it was all Penrith. And it was a dominant performance like I probably haven't seen since, dare I say it, Steve, <laughs> 2001, that first half. They were outstanding. Hey, do you want a hug oh, on, mate, on this Saturday morning? I've got to tell you, I was at the game with my kids <laughs> and watching it, and there was flashbacks. It was horrible, that first half. And I could tell, I could tell in the first... 13, well, at the 13-minute mark, I was watching the Parramatta side and how they just had no ability to get back on the kick chase, etc. And I you know, specifically looked at the clock. It was 13 minutes. They were legless yeah, after someone, 13 minutes. Someone said to me early in the match, boy, they look tired. And this was early, like, you know, probably in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Stephen Crichton scores in the 11th minute, his 13th try of the season. Brian To'o in the 17th minute. Uh, Scotty Sorensen in the 27th. So at halftime, it's 18-0. So it is similar to 2001 where mm. it was 24-0. Second half, I think there's a try. I thought it was forward pass to Brian To'o, his second of the night, in the 45th minute. So it's five minutes after the break, and yeah. the game's pretty much over. Charlie Stain scores late, and we've got a couple of consolation tries. Clint Gutherson in the 76th minute. Jacob Arthur, who only just got on the field, Scores in the 77th. I agree with you. 28 points to 12 full-time. It probably flatters Parramatta, and they could have scored more. Oh, I mean, they're like a tsunami. They were absolutely phenomenal. And I just look at the way that they were so methodical in the way that they went about their business. Um, they were ferocious in attack. They were ferocious in defence. They gave the Parramatta side absolutely nothing. And, you know, I've got a question, and it's easy to do so in hindsight, but... You know, you look at the impact of the game before Parramatta up in North Queensland, the heat, the comeback, um, the fact they had to travel up there and back, what impact that had on them because, you know, clearly, like I said, at 13 minutes, they were gone. They were absolutely legless and I just... Then you're playing in a game, a grand final, where your team are legless, but you're only playing with 16 players because <laughs> yeah. Jake Arthur is not going to offer a lot. And again, that's not being disrespectful to Jake Arthur. It's just the facts. You needed four forwards on the bench because they were always going to come up the middle, uh, Penrith, and we're always going to dominate and be strong and physical. Uh, and if you're going into a side like Penrith, 
with 16 players, you're going to struggle. And uh, they clearly did. I want to talk to you in a moment just about tactics because mm. I, I said a few things on the microphone about the way Penrith come at you. But first, let's relive some of the magic of last Sunday night. Panthers going back-to-back. Now, let's not forget, the Roosters did it recently, but until then, it was almost unheard of. You had to go back to the Brisbane Broncos of 92, 93, 97, 98. Yep. Like, going back-to-back was almost impossible. So this is their third grand final in a row, and let's not forget, they've won everything. So they won the New South Wales Cup defeating Canterbury-Bankstown. The New South Wales Cup boys also won the State Challenge, which was a real mismatch, yep. unfortunately, against the North Devils. And Penrith also won the junior grade. So congratulations to their entire club. Let's relive the first try. This is Stephen Crichton last Sunday night at Accor Stadium. Cleary, he finds Edwards, gets it back inside to Crichton. Stephen Crichton, he gets past one, Crichton towards the line. And Stephen Crichton, not since Brett Kenny, has a player scored three grand finals in a row. And Stephen Crichton joins Brett Kenny and scores the first try in the grand final. Yeah, beautiful. Commentary from Joel Sugarcane. That's a good stat. I didn't realise that. Steve Crichton scored three tries in three grand finals. Uh, he almost got close to Brett Kenny because Brett Kenny scored two tries in three consecutive grand finals, which yeah. is quite phenomenal. And but, let's not forget how young some of these players are too. They've really built a dynasty. They'll lose a couple. And there's a lot of people that sent me text messages last week. We had a lot of guests come on the show saying Dylan Edwards would win the Clyde mm. Churchill medal. What a sensational game by the fullback. Oh, he was outstanding. Then I also look at um, Brian Toll, who must have been a very, very close second. Um, I dare say if he had scored a third try, then he probably would have got across the line because his metres were amazing. But Dylan Edwards, um, you know, he's done this for the last three years and and probably has been underrated uh, leading up to, I I don't know, I guess people have started to realise how good he is in the last 18 months. Um, and he was a surprise omission, I think, from the Australian side uh, when you consider you know, how good his performances have been. Doesn't fit the balance of what uh, Mal Meninga is looking for, but certainly worthy of uh, a spot on that kangaroo side. Unfortunately, he's got the likes of James Tedesco uh, and Latrell Mitchell, who can play two roles. So it's a great performance. You might have, uh, you might have heard me on the microphone last Sunday night. So when Scott Sorensen scored, I think I said that Penrith can just hurt you everywhere. So they score on the right edge with Stephen Crichton. Yep. Try scoring machine. Then they go left side through Brian Toto. Toto and let's not forget the young man, I think it's pronounced Tungo. Uh, he gives the final offload. Yep. So, so that's another young gun on the left-hand side. And then Parramatta coming up a little too quickly. Nathan puts a perfect little grubber through. And Sorensen, he's got all day to ground the footy. Yeah, you know, I look at the positioning of Gutherson there. And he was at the A defender on the right-hand side of the ruck and for some reason ducked around to the left-hand side. Cleary obviously saw that, and it was just a fraction of a second. Yeah. But it was enough that Cliff, uh, Gutherson couldn't react, couldn't get back to where he needed to, and, and suddenly they're in a position where they're 8-0 up and doing it easy. But it, you know what? The, the whole thing for me is, and I was talking to my kids about it, you look at the metres that Gutherson was making or not making, on the kick return, and that's because their kick chase was that good. And Dylan Edwards was making 10, 15 metres every time he got the ball. So they had this momentum each and every time. The other thing about it is, you think about the game, when you break it down, you got six plays to attack the opposition. If you can eliminate that first play by the kick chase, putting it up, and as he's catching the ball, you're making a tackle on him, 
you've suddenly reduced their attacking ability by 15, 17%. And that's what Penrith did so well. Right? Instead of having six plays, they've only got five plays to score. And you know that there's a chance that they're going to kick on the last tackle. So they've really only got four plays to put you under pressure. They can handle that quite comfortably. Hey, Butes, uh, apart from Parramatta going down and not breaking that drought that's gone back to 1986, you would have been proud of your old club, but also, how do you enjoy the whole day, the whole experience of Grand Final Day? Newcastle Knights, winners mm. in the NRLW, 32-12 to over Parramatta as well, 14-6 at halftime. But a couple of Central Coast girls in that Newcastle team, including Kira Dib. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, uh, I made the effort to get there early. I wanted to soak up the atmosphere. I probably haven't been as excited about going to a game since I finished playing, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, I actually seriously thought Parramatta were a decent chance of uh, putting on a good show. That didn't eventuate, but um, I also wanted to watch the girls' games. Um, I had a bit of an interest there with Jess Southwell and how she was going. Obviously, the Parramatta side um, were playing in that as well, and it was great to see 42,000. I think you... Is that the crowd? It was around 42,000 people that were... Um, Spot on, Buttes, 42,921. They were there to watch the girls. and you know, Predominantly, the majority of those were Parramatta supporters. But nevertheless, it's an indication that this girl, the, the girls' game or the women's game is growing uh, and people are prepared to come along and watch and, and see these girls put on a show. And it was only the last, basically the last 10 minutes where uh, Newcastle ran away with it. But Parramatta were certainly in with a chance and there was probably a turning point in that game. Um, Parramatta had scored, put a kick down and it just went out on the full by... Oh, a couple of centimetres, and uh, that was the turning point. They just couldn't get themselves back in after that. They also had a try disallowed, mm. uh, and that would have levelled things up. Tamika Upton wins the player of the match in the grand final, but I uh, know my son was there with his great mate from uh, the Hunter Hurricanes, Lucas McAway. They both thought Jesse Southwell. She put on a clinic. She and was you, phenomenal. You would have heard me say on the microphone what a delight it is to watch her in action. You know what? It, it's interesting, and I don't know where or how far the women's game is going to go, and I hope it just continues uh, to uh, keep going on that uh, trajectory that it is. But we could have been watching there for the first time, quite possibly, because uh, I, I dare say <laughs> she's going to have a long, long career. We could possibly be watching the first female immortal. Yeah, it's, right? a, it's a big call. That's she's... a massive call, but I'm telling you right now, this girl has got some unbelievable talent. Yeah. And if she stays in our game for a long time... She's going to have a stellar... You know what? She just got back earlier this year from the Commonwealth Games, picks up a gold model medal there. Like, three months later, four months later, she's playing in an NRLW grand final and is close to picking up the man of the match. Like, hey, amazing. She's hey, 17. Uh, Butte, uh, this could be our best show of the year. So, uh, a little bit later on, we've got the coach of the year, Todd Payton, one of your former teammates joining us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking to Todd. He's had a, a massive year, and, you know, when you consider where the Cowboys were at last year... Um, for him to do what he did in 2022 was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, Kennedy Charrington also joining us in the second hour. So she won the Veronica White Medal mm. for Woman of the Year. So we've got the Ken Stephen Medal. That goes to Cody Walker for work, work off the field. Yep. You know, the players really cop it at times and the amount of you know, goodwill they put back into our communities. So Kennedy wins that, but she also scoops the pool at the Parramatta Rewards. She's on the Jillaroo squad. She'll go to the Gold Coast and then fly to the UK. And what a phenomenal season. But she also had to overcome incredible setbacks, including some knee reconstructions, but also a heart problem. Yeah. So 
I can't wait to talk to her in the second hour. Maddie Simon coming up soon. We'll the go- GOAT. Yeah, the greatest of all time at the Mariners. He's announced his retirement. We'll go live to the mountain. Now mm. Panorama with Lightning Luke King, who's up there. And next up, basketball legend Moose Rebellion. This is Saturdays on the Coast, all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes on SEN. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. Hope you're enjoying the weekend. And uh, if you've heard all the weather reports, maybe batten down the hatches because there's so many areas on flood alert around New South Wales and we're expecting a lot of rain today. In fact, I just got a text from a friend of the show, Greg Ferguson, who said he's bracing himself. He also said keep an eye out for Caruso at Mount Panorama this weekend. Oh, okay. He's sponsored by Robson Civil Projects. Of course. So they love their motorsport. In fact, Robson Civil Projects sponsored the Townsville event a couple of years ago. okay. I've got to say, I've started building an arc, but uh, being out this morning (laughs) training, it was uh, beautiful weather, I've got to say. And you're taking two of what? Oh. Two of everything? Two of everything, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that consists of. Hey, but... Well, I'm rising as one, because uh, alongside oh. us, we've got a guy we'd I've like to... I've got to get up to. I've got to get up We've got a guy we'd like to call the Big Daddy. <laughs> Big Daddy. Ian Moose Rebellion, Sydney Kings legend, Australian basketball legend. Good morning, mate. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks, Steve-O. Nice to see you, Buttes. Yeah, good to be here, mate. How good is the stadium looking? Uh, new sponsors, Breakers Country Club, jumping on board, and uh, got a couple of the young girls out here uh, doing some practice. Yeah, well, it's the start of the uh, Central Coast Basketball Trial. So these are the under-12s that are underway in this hall and the boys in the other hall, and it goes under-12s, 14, 16, 18. So the coaches will be here all day. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, when I came in this morning, I could see just a few nerves, Buttes. You know, some parents bringing their kids in. It's where it all begins. We all love it. And, uh, like, do they narrow these squads down? Do they pick numerous teams, Moose? Yeah, so what... Each of the age groups would have generally two teams, uh, an A and a B team. So these are competitive trials. The coaches, well, Chris Olbeck's here, one of one of the legends of the club, life member, coaching the under-12s, and uh, next door, Kili Akamamoy, I see, and Dan Pratt. So, they've, you know, again, the coaches are doing a good job. Yeah, thanks to Kili for organising this, and thanks to the entire club. I can't wait to see the 14s buttes because I've been binge-watching Swagger which is loosely based on the life of KD, yeah, Kevin, right. Durant, Kevin Durant, growing up in Washington. There you go. There was a shot there. It actually landed on top of the uh, the glass, which is not a bad effort. Yeah, to, keep it, to let it sit there like yeah, that. Yeah, to let it not, sit there, yeah, yeah. Bad. And then you see the coach's school had about four shots <laughs> to get it down. Sign her up. If, she could, if, her shot is that, if her shooting is that good, then she's the one to uh, sign up for sure. Uh, Moose, the NBL season underway. So the Hawks winners against South East Melbourne, 85-72. That game played on Thursday. New Zealand winners against the Jack Jumpers, 71-65. Now, you said the Jack Jumpers, they made the grand final last year. What, they're 0-3? Yeah, so, again, New Zealand in New Zealand. And that's, the, I think, the first time they've played in New Zealand, Steve, for two years mm. because of COVID. Um, so the, the, the Tasmanian side are 0-3, having, you know, really pushed Sydney in the grand final series last year. Uh, local talent there in Matty Kenyon, still contracted to the, the Jack Jumpers, but... You know, that's how close this competition is, and uh, they've got work to do, obviously. Well, I think it's interesting because I was listening on the radio the other day. They were talking about how there's three favourites uh, on the line in terms of the betting. Yeah, the, uh, the NBA teams, and then I think it was Perth was the other.
Phoenix, uh, in, in Phoenix was quite remarkable. The score, you know, they beat them by 10 and they, I think they posted around 130 points. So they mm. absolutely shot the lights out. Um, I watched Sydney last night and uh, they've replaced three, three imports. So, you know, that's not easy to do. And Jalen Adams last year was the MVP, but his replacement last night was absolutely phenomenal. Um, Derek Walton Jr., I think, you know, he's, I think he set a record of, uh, in the first two games for the clubs, the club, he's averaged eight assists, but on top of that, he scored, you know, 20 and 30 points. So this guy can really play. The nice point, I'll just make this, uh, they started just on social media saying he's got magic while he's wearing the number 11 singlet, and that's Steve Carfino's number, and he was the uh, true magician with the basketball, and Walton Jr. is another one. Yeah, and Butes, I see his field goal percentage, 9 of 12, and I think he was 1 of 3 from long range. He'd be happy knocking out 75% scoring uh, percentage, wouldn't you, Moose? What happens with Jalen Adams? Where's he gone now? Is he in the NBA or has he gone elsewhere? Yeah, I'm not not 100% sure, but obviously the Kings, through Paul Smith, use, use the club as a stepping stone back into the NBA. I mean, they played Brisbane last night, so Aaron Baines, uh, who'd played in Boston, won a title with Boston, is yep. playing for Brisbane. He has made it very clear that it's a, it's a, it's a step on the way back into the NBA. Is, so, is it uh, like soccer where there's a transfer market and there's payment that goes to the club? Do they get subsidised at all, or is it just, this is just such a strong competition now, or regarded as, as such a strong competition around the world, that players, you know, it's a natural progression or stepping stone into the NBL if you're successful here? Yeah, there's two answers to that. If you have a multi-year contract, they'd pay that contract out, uh, so there'd be a payment back to the club. But generally, your imports are on a one-year contract, um, unless you're a Bryce Cotton, someone like that that's been in Perth a long time and they've secured, you know, he's kind of passed that window of the NBA, possibly. I'm pretty sure he just signed a three-year deal over in Perth, so that's a little bit unusual. But if you're on a one-year deal... They generally see out the season and uh, and head overseas. Ian, you just said to us off the air, you feel like uh, he just uh, jumped because I haven't called him Ian. <laughs> no, I was going, who the hell's Ian? Who's, I'm like, who's, who's, who's Ian? Fourth guest yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> Where is this? Uh, who's Ian? Moose, uh, you, said <laughs> yes, to, you said to us off the air, now he responds, you said to us off the air that you feel like Sydney are in the box seat to go back-to-back, uh, even early in the season. This weekend, uh, Perth up against Dillawarra, so that's a tough road trip for the Hawks. Uh, Tassie, they're back at home against the Bullets, who've got Baines, and you were just saying what a sensational guy he is. I'll get you to elaborate in a moment. And then Sydney, they're off to take on Melbourne United. Yeah, well, those games, I mean, the, the, the Tasmanian game against Brisbane is a really, even so early in the season, a crux game because both teams are coming off losses. Um, I think Tasmania in Tasmania, you know, are, are always a, a hard, hard game down there. But I tell you, a team like Brisbane with, with a fellow like Aaron Baines in it, you know, I think would be the, uh, the tipping point to go to favour Brisbane. Sydney over Melbourne, that's interesting. I, I think Sydney will absolutely annihilate Melbourne. Um, I know that's a big call. Mm. But they're in a rebuilding phase, Melbourne. Um, and I think Sydney, just watching them last night, they're so well balanced. Um, the the ball moves so well. They're shooting a, the ball at a high clip. I just can't see that Melbourne will even come close to them. Hey, we kind of skimmed over Adelaide's win against Phoenix. Like, I think it's only the second time in history this has happened. And 
you know, Chris Paul plays, Devin Booker plays. I think most of the stars play over 20 minutes. They, they were rested you know, sporadically through the game. But what a sensational win, uh, 134 to 124. Last time it was done, I think, it was Real Madrid had a win against an NBA side. So yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is, and uh, I know we did brush over it, but it's the first time in Australian basketball history that that's, that's occurred. It, it's, I mean, there's a lot of credit to Bruton, uh, the coach of Adelaide, in his recruitment, and I think it showed it certainly against Phoenix. I'm not sure. They played yesterday against OKC, so they have two games against NBA teams that are in the final stages of preparation for their season. But going back to Phoenix, um, you know, their five starters all played over 22 minutes, Steve. So it mm. wasn't token minutes. They're significant minutes in a preseason game. And for Adelaide to, uh, you know, generate that win, it's just a fantastic showcase for Australian basketball. Does, does this happen regularly with Australian teams going over there? Or is this pretty unique, the opportunity that Adelaide had? And obviously the um, NBL here have given them the opportunity by, uh, you know, manufacturing the draw to ensure that they... Uh, serve their buys early in the season. Yeah, no, it's probably a, a very uh, recent initiative. When I say recent, the past couple of years uh, before COVID interrupted it, hmm. there was always games. NBL sides would travel to the states to play NBA sides in in, in showcasing events um, to try and ensure that the Australian league was regarded where it should be by you know NBA scouts and teams looking at at players. There's even talk that some of the players from the Adelaide team that performed so well that had come out of the G League, which is the NBA Development League, that were contracted to Adelaide, might not even be on the flights back. Oh, so oh. it's, uh, yes, watch this space. Yeah, you know what, again, it's about opportunity. And I think it also, as I mentioned before, is a clear indication of how strong the NBL competition is and that it's a genuine stepping and what I don't know how many Australian players we have playing in the NBA now but it yeah. certainly has increased significantly oh it's a genuine stepping stone and and in the past if you didn't make the NBA you'd go to Europe play in the Euro leagues yep. but the Australian league without the difficulty of language um, mm. dollar etc yeah. and it's a good it's a, a good spot to stop yeah what a what a night for some of these players Craig Randall has 35 points including nine threes uh, Frank's had 32. And Giddy, it sounds like he was just sensational. Yeah, well, I'm guessing OKC beat beat Adelaide yesterday in that game, and and uh, the highlight being Giddy being a former Adelaide 36 player playing playing for OKC. So, um, yeah, great experience for these guys. And and Butte's going back to your question. The NBA encourages it. Sorry, the NBL encourage it by providing uh, Adelaide mm. as the team over there in the moment the, the first two round buys. Yeah. Boys, boys, we're off to the news. Moose, do you want to hang around? Because I'm sure you'd like to ask Matty Simon a couple of questions. Wow, what, what a career. Absolutely brilliant. My son actually, when he plays his Xbox FIFA game, he calls his team Matty Simon, I don't know, Maulers or something like that. Yeah, you've got to share that. He loves with, it. He loves it. With mm -hmm. Simo in a minute. Jeez, he could fire up. Oh, could he what? Oh, yeah. You'd love him on your side, wouldn't you? He'd be a pest if he's on the opposition. Yeah, won absolutely everything. And I still remember his debut out of uh, East Gosford. But we'll talk to Matty in just a few moments' time. Changing of the guard. So Matty Simon leaves the club. Danny Vukovic is the new captain. And there was a real buzz yesterday. It's game day. So later on this afternoon, we host the Jets in the F3 derby. It was a clean sweep last year, Buttes. Mm. 
against Newcastle. We Is this won- the start of the comp? Yeah, we we're won- on. We won all three last year, and I think we're looking for six out of our last seven against the Jets in terms of wins. Mm. So, yeah, that's real dominance at the moment after we were in the doldrums for quite a while. Off to the news. Back with Matty Simon next on SEN. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live from Terrigal Basketball Stadium and it's the trials this morning, so we've been watching the under-12s. Michael, what's happening here? So... I'm seeing a whole bunch of chairs go oh. almost into the paint. Yeah, this I, is some kind of new age fancy drill. I think it's called musical chairs, to be honest. I'm waiting for the music to come on. No, obviously they use the the chairs as dummy uh, defenders, Moose, I would assume, and uh, just a way for the girls, or instead of the witches' hats or whatever it may be. They... We've got a couple of girls to our right that are laughing at us. Uh, number 22 <laughs> thinks this is hilarious. We might have to give her some airtime in a few moments. But uh, So trials happening here all day. I'll tell you what I love here, Buttes. Have a look. So for a little club on the Central Coast, yep. look at all of our banners. Look. They're everywhere. So champions in 21. And these are all different divisions as well. But there would be nothing better, Moose, in basketball than hoisting a championship banner. Yeah, and there's a very special one up there, the white one, which was the first uh, NBL1 equivalent banner uh, in 2019, just before COVID hit. So, yeah, and I think at the Kings last night, they uh, they hoisted their uh, championship banner last night. I'll tell you what else we haven't got here is we haven't retired any jerseys. No, I don't know why. Um, I guess it's a young club, uh, but we've had some really, really great players through this club. So, yeah, a little bit unusual. Yeah, hey... Can I put him on the spot? Can I put him on the spot? Because I just want to know, if there was one jersey or one number, which one do you think it would be, Moose? Uh, I'd probably put uh, Mitch Reuters up there. Um, He played for the club. Uh, Great guy, great role model, great player. Um, Yeah, so he'd be probably my pick. Yep. There you go. All right. Uh, you can see I'm standing. Yeah. It's a standing oh, ovation. Stand up as well. <laughs> we are Again. rising as one on the sports show for a guy who announced his retirement this week, oh. the great Matty Simon, a.k.a. the GOAT. Uh, Matty, good morning, mate, and congratulations on your stellar career and also announcing the retirement this week. Yeah, good morning, boys. Thanks for having me on, and, uh, you know, thanks for the standing ovation as well. I know, yep. you, I know you can't see that we actually got up. All three of us got up and stood, mate. I don't know we don't why. don't do that often, mate. I, don't know why. I know I don't do that often. Matty, what a great <laughs> career you had, mate. Uh, talk us through from the debut uh, up until last season. Obviously, it was a, a great year for the Mariners, but a tough year for you with injuries, etc. Yeah, of course. Look, obviously, coming into the club at 19, um, you know, and, and then realising a dream to be able to play professional football and, and for it to last, you know, to nearly 37 and, you know, probably given me more than I could ever have imagined and as you say last year was you know very disappointing with the with the injury but you know it was quite serious and uh you know I was still feeling the effects of it now so um ultimately uh you know I couldn't get my body back to where it needed to be to give 100% to the team so you know it was the right decision to to retire for everyone. Matty Mooster Billiard here when you when you were found as a 19 year old I'm guessing Laurie would have been in charge back then how did he find you? Yeah, Laurie was the, was the gaffer back then. We actually played a trial game against the Mariners in a pre-season. Uh, I did okay in that game. I actually a penalty um, against the boys. And then Laurie called me up the next day and 
and was taking the mickey out of me about missing a penalty, but then asked me to come and train with the boys. So, um, yeah, I got my opportunity and, and uh, yeah, sort of never looked back. Yeah, Matty, so we're talking back around 2005 when the Mariners uh, first launched. So, and I remember I was at that very first... I think uh, we were at Westfield Tugra for an entire week trying to introduce the team to the local community. But there was a real pathway all of a sudden. And Damian Brown's the first player signed. Andrew Clark is signed. Suddenly, for a local, you saw a genuine pathway to the top. So you would have been relishing the opportunity to wear the shirt. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, Brad Porter, you know, a local boy playing for the club. I think those early early stages, there was uh, about six or seven players that were, were local boys. So, um, you know, in previous years, before before the Mariners existed, the, the only pathway was sort of, you know, had to go to Sydney um, and do all that sort of travel. But, you know, to have a national team competition, you know, in, in sorry, having a team in the national competition on the coast was just, you know, amazing for, for the local you know, boys and girls now, and um, it really does show a pathway that, you know, if you, if you stick it out and work hard, you can you can make it to the top. Matty, I want to go back to the point you made earlier about the fact that you missed the penalty and he gave you a call. <laughs> so it was probably the greatest miss you've ever had in your life because it's gone on to be a 17-year career. Like, how often does that happen? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, I think that just shows shows the man that Laurie is. I think he obviously would have known that how disappointed I would have been in, in uh, missing that penalty. But, you know, straight away, the first thing he said to me when he when he called me up was, oh, you know, I hope you're not crying about that penalty. And he was taking the mickey out of me. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, as you say, it was probably the best penalty I've ever missed. But um, luckily enough, I did okay um, for the rest of the game. Matty, we've got to talk about your highlights, and some of them are with another club. They're with Sydney FC, but you win everything in your career. Can you share a few memories this morning of what's really special for you in the uh, trophy cabinet? Yeah, look, probably the biggest thing for me is the, the baggy green cap that I've, that I've got for playing for the country. Um, you know, I think that's the highest honour for myself to be able to play a couple of times for Australia. Um, going to the 2008 Beijing Olympics, uh, was special, especially you know it's a, an, you have to be under 23 to be eligible for the, for the tournament. Um, you know every time I've won anything with the Mariners in front of family and friends, scoring goals um, has always been nice. But yeah, of course the you know Sydney FC, my time there was special, and we did we had an amazing squad. I think we hold, still hold a lot of records from that year, and uh, you know winning a double. I think when you set a goal out as a group at the start of the year, and and for that to come true and and to, you know, enjoy everything that comes with winning a championship, um, you know, that was a great time. Uh, Matty, you, uh, part of your game was always the physicality, and uh, <laughs> is that because of the red hair, or is it just because it was just instinct? <laughs> I, mean, I know what those yeah, rangers uh, are like, mate, seriously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit no, fiery. I think it's a bit of the ranger, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's even darker when it's wet, so, yeah, if I wet the hair, it's, it's, it's not worse. Yeah, I tell you, one of the funniest moments was last year when he wasn't even playing in the derby. (laughs) I think Pena gets red carded. Suddenly there's Matt Simon in the tunnel. The welcome committee. I want to know, mate, uh, have you got some skills in that area? Because you really were the guy that, what did you say earlier? The serial pest? Oh, he was a pest. If he's on your side, you love it. But if he's on the opposition, (laughs) my goodness, he's a pain in the you-know-what. And uh, that's, that was part of the game. And I guess, Matty, that was something you did in relation to trying to stir up the opposition, trying to get them off their game. 
Yeah, look, I've, over the years, I've never really just looked at it like, uh, you know, I'm going out there to, you know, antagonise anyone. It was just part, purely part, part of the game where I just wanted to give all, you know, for my teammates and for myself. I just, you know, once we're out on that field, it's just absolute war. You know, there's there's livelihoods at stake and, you know, it's a business at the end of the day when you play professionally. So, you know, I always never wanted to leave anything out on the field and, and pretty much do anything to win. So, yeah, the the funny thing with Pena was, you know, obviously having a neck injury, but my mum actually texted me in the morning saying, I can't believe you played your first game back and you didn't tell me. You actually thought I played the game. <laughs> hey, Matty, uh, the guys alongside me, so Moose Rebilliard's probably played a 1,000 games, but, you know, close to 500 professionally. Michael played almost 300 in the NRL, and they'll tell you the things they miss, uh, their teammates, and being in that locker room. How about for you? Who are some of the people you're going to miss the most now that it's all over, and who are some of the coaches... I'm sure you've got such a great relationship with Arnie. You even mentioned him yesterday when I was at training. So talk about some of the people you're really going to miss now that you're out of that environment. Yeah, look, um, I'm obviously going to miss the change room. I think that's the biggest part of, you know, in a pro- professional sport is the camaraderie that you that you have in the change room and, and the relationships that you build over years. Um, you know, lucky enough that you're going to be able to continue those friendships, the ones that you build over a long period of time. And, Laurie, Laurie means so much to me because he gave me my first opportunity and, and always supported me, you know, throughout my whole career. And obviously Arnie, you know, probably was the biggest influence in my career, um, you know, for everything that he'd done for me. And, you know, he'll be at the game today and um, and also Monty as well. You know, I, I was lucky enough to play with Monty and then I've been able to see him work now as a manager. And, you know, he's going to go and do really big things in his, in his coaching career because, you know, I've seen how hard he works and that's what it takes. So... You know, I'm uh, I'm going to miss a lot about a, a lot about the game, but in saying that as well, I'm going to enjoy all the all the perks that comes along with retirement and, and get to spend some more time with the family. Matty, uh, as you move out of the playing ranks, often good players are tapped on the shoulder to, to get into the coaching ranks. Are there any any plans in that area? And, and if there were, what would you take from some of those great coaches that you've had? What's some of the uh, the points of emphasis you'd bring into a coaching rank? Yeah, look, for the immediate future, I've, I've been lucky enough to be able to just move on to Monty's staff, um, just part of the part of his backroom staff and, and looking after the players' well-being and, and doing some stuff with the strikers. Uh, there's a few other things that are, that are happening in the background with the club that I'm going to be involved in. But, um, you know, the biggest thing that I've, I've learnt probably over my career is, uh, you know, the mental, how, how important the mental side of the game is. So, you know, as a, as a coach, you know, I think it's so important to be able to realise that every single athlete is, is different um, and they need, you know, they've got different needs. So the, the biggest thing that I would take is, you know, how you treat everybody and, um, you know, who needs what and when. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that, you know, I would, I would take from that. It's amazing how quickly it goes. Like, I still remember Maddie's debut night mm. coming on you know, 17 years ago. Can, can you believe that? And now it's over. You mentioned, can you share this story with Maddie while he's on the air? Oh, so, yeah, Maddie. My, my son, uh, he's played with the Mariners since he was nine. He's been up the, the Jets for the last couple of years. But he plays FIFA 23 and FIFA 22, 21, you name it. He plays all of them. But he names his teams Matt Simon's Men. And uh, he, uh, didn't you say Matt Simon's Maulers? Maulers or something like that? Must have been Maulers. But he uh, he's a big Matt Simon fan. He calls you the goat, and uh, he'll be uh, probably tuning in right now and uh, listening. But uh, you've certainly had a, a massive impact 
not only on him, mate, but also um, on a lot of the young players uh, in the game. And I dare say that, you know, the fact that Monty has brought in a lot of these young guys uh, in the last couple of years, they've probably had the opportunity to play with someone that they actually looked up to uh, when they were younger themselves. So, you know, I don't know whether you realise that or understand the impact that you've had as a player. Yeah, mate, it's obviously, you know, it's very humbling to, to hear things like that. Um, you know, it's I think it's so important to just try and be a role model. Um, at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're trying to represent yourself and, and represent your region and, and the club that you play for. Um, you know, I don't think anyone sets out to, you know, think about, you know, uh, you know, putting, putting those... How do I say it? I'm not sure, but you know, as I say, I'm, I'm just humbled that, that people talk about me like that. I've never really thought about myself that way, but um, you know, it's it's great to be able to work with the young kids and sort of just try and show them, um, you know, the culture of the club and and the mentality that it sort of needs to you need to have to sort of have a long career. So, yeah, um, mate, it's it's kind of weird that I'm you know you're in a PlayStation game, but it's funny because I never pick myself because I'm too slow on there. <laughs> hey, uh, if you looked around the dressing room, boys, Moose Rebilliard, Michael Butner, and you saw Matty Simon sitting there, you know you've got a guy that's going to give you absolutely everything that he possibly can to get the win. Just a ferocious competitor, no doubt about it. Simo, I've got one final question, and it involves a signing this week. Now, I was racking my brains about the assembly line at the Mariners some of the superstars that have gone overseas. But I can't think of a better story than an 18-year-old being signed by Premier League giants, Newcastle mm. United. So, Garang Qual, he'll head over there in January and he'll probably, well, he will go straight out on loan and it may be somewhere in Portugal. But what an amazing talent. He's already a socceroo. What a story this is. Yeah, look, it's absolutely amazing. I think it just shows and highlights the... You know how wonderful football could be. I think you know Monty. Monty uh, obviously, uh, Alo was here first, and he actually said, "Look, my younger brother's better than me." Um, and two years ago, you know, he's playing in Shepparton down in Melbourne, and, and Monty brought him up to the coast, and uh, you know, quickly realised you know what a special talent he is, and and now he's uh, you know he's earned himself a, a huge contract over overseas with a big club and um, you know at the moment it's, it's an opportunity for him so that's what it is at the moment and he needs to you know keep his head down and keep working hard and and grab that opportunity with both hands so as you say he's most likely to go out on loan first and you know now it's up to him to as I say take that opportunity and and make good things of it. Yeah well the countdown to kick off is on F3 Derby later on this afternoon we're rising as one again well yeah. I am Yeah 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 no, we, up, we, we all are we all are we all are up you go Buttes right, I've done oh. I've done a lot of squats this morning For the, the, the greatest oh. mariner of all time Matty Simon congratulations mate well played No nah, thanks boys thanks for having me Matty Simon joining us uh, he so he retires holding every record of the Mariners in terms of goal scoring what a phenomenal career and so proud of him. And he won everything along the way. Some of those with Sydney FC where, like he said, they won the double. Mm. We've got to go to a break here. We'll come back in just a moment. Live from Terrigal Basketball Stadium. And we do this all thanks to Robson Civil Projects and also McDonald Jones Homes. Saturdays on the coast on SEN. 
Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, good morning. I hope you're enjoying the weekend. And don't forget, after 10 o'clock this morning, Kennedy Cherrington will join us from the Parramatta Reels and also the Gillaroos. Mm. What, what a season she had. She also won the... And Kennedy Cherrington from the Parramatta Reels. Congratulations to her. Todd Payton, the Coach of the Year, joining us at 10.30, one of Butes' old teammates. We've got a couple of minutes here. Don't forget the text line 0477-736-736. The McDonald Jones Homes open line, 1300 42 We'd love to hear from you on this Saturday morning. Boys, the Women's World Cup basketball. Moose, Australia finish on the podium. Fantastic with a win over Canada. Yeah, great, a great win over Canada. In, in the uh, bronze medal game, they absolutely smashed them. But they played Canada in a, in a round game. I think it might have been a quarter quarterfinal where they uh, was a lot, lot closer. And um, had they lost that game, they would have faced uh, the Americans in the crossover. So they did very well. Um, they were unfortunate not to get to the uh, gold medal game going down by a point to China who eventually obviously played uh, played the US in the grand final and got fairly well beaten. Uh, and Moose, we've had a, a performance for the ages from Lauren Jackson. Yeah, Butch just asked me off air, you know, what was her, like, the contribution? Did she really, you know, warrant a spot? She's 41, and, and I think just the fact that um, she was in that team, I, I watched the uh, first ca- uh, game against Canada. She made some big buckets when they needed a basket, so that level of experience, I mean, she is recognised as the best world world player, you know, female player in the world. Like she, she scored 30 points in 21 minutes there, which is just phenomenal. Like, you talk about contribution and her presence just having an impact, but to be able to back that up with 30 points as well, which is probably the leading scorer for the Australians, quite a remarkable feat considering she's 41 years of age. Yeah, next best, uh, Stephanie Talbot with 16. Uh, but it's almost like Cinderella Man. It's like this is it. This is my swan song and let's go out with a medal. Uh, we're heading up toward the news right now. Moose, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for lining this up along with Kelly. No, no, it's always nice to be here. It's great to see this is the next next wave of, of bas- basketballers coming through the Central Coast ranks. So uh, it's always nice to wander back into this stadium. I'm a life member here, and it's it's nice just to reconnect with some of the coaches and some of the players. Yeah, we need a statue outside. Uh, did you see the red carpet? <laughs> I saw the red carpet out there. It was unbelievable. <laughs> Off to the news. We're back soon with Kennedy Charrington on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil. With over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience, visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land. The coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Basketball Stadium. Their junior trials are on this morning. Loving watching all the juniors in action. So we've had the 12s and we're moving through the 14s, 16s and the higher grades a little bit later through the day. And uh, Butte's fantastic to be back here. It certainly is, Steve. Uh, love the sound of the uh, the ball hitting the timber f- floors <laughs> and uh, it's going non-stop. For the, uh, it'll be going non-stop all day because they're uh, obviously just rolling them through. It appears every hour or so, every hour and a half that... Uh, 
the 14s are in now, and then it'd be the 16s, 18s, uh, and then I dare say the seniors after that. Hey, Butes, we gave uh, we gave Maddie Simon a standing ovation. I'm rising. Yep. I'm with you for I'm a young you. lady who won the uh, Veronica White Medal at the grand final last week, and also had a sensational year with the Parramatta Reels. Now she's in the Gillaroos squad, and she's off to the World Cup. Kennedy Charrington, good morning, and welcome to Saturdays on the Coast. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And because we're at the basketball, I just noticed looking at your, your bio that your favourite athlete of all time is the late, great Kobe Bryant. So you love <laughs> basketball as well? Yeah, no, I just love what he did for the game. And not just on, on the court, it was off the court that I really focused on being a better human and leaving a great legacy like it did. So, yeah. Well, I think it's uh, fitting that you you know you talk about Kobe and his legacy uh, with you picking up the Veronica White Medal uh, for contribution to the game, the equivalent of the Ken Stephen Medal Award uh, for uh, players that give over and above uh, and you know give back to charity. Tell us a bit about some of the work that you did this year that uh, got you recognised for this award. Um, so this medal, I guess you don't you don't do it for recognition or an award. Um, this was purely out just me doing me and I'm a heart kid myself so I was born with a congenital heart defect and I had open heart surgery when I was eight um, that saved my life and Heart Kids was a charity that um, helped my family so when I came into the scene on the NRLW um, I had a bit of a platform so I wanted to use it um, for the greater good and I reached out to them and then we've been um, I've been lucky enough to be their ambassador and just doing a lot of community work for their kids like at the moment, I'm designing a tutorial for their app and how to use it. Um, I'm attending all the fundraisers um, that give back to the families that are doing it tough, that don't get support from the government, um, and just going out of my way just to just to be that inspiration for the kids who um, are held back because of their their condition. But I don't want them to see it like that because I am at the other end of the stick, at the top of my game living my best life so yeah yeah so what were you told when you're an eight-year-old that led to surgery immediately so i was misdiagnosed when i was young so the condition wasn't actually um found out straight away it wasn't until i was about three i seen a cardiologist and they thought i was, I was kind of misdiagnosed so they said i had something when i actually had something else so it wasn't until my parents got a second opinion from a different cardiologist and they basically assessed me. That was like a Wednesday. I had an open heart surgery on Friday. So it was quite, quite catastrophic by the time I was eight. Because usually kids um, of my condition have surgery when they're newborn or one to two. And I had surgery when I was eight. So practically I could have died of cardiac arrest any time. And my heart had enlarged the size of an adult. So it was quite severe. And um, I'm very grateful that my parents... Um, got that second opinion because, yeah, I, otherwise I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. Kennedy, is it something that you need to monitor now or is it, you know, obviously you're playing a physical sport and, you know, you've got to be, you know, physically fit uh, to be out there on the field. Uh, is it something you need to monitor now or is it just you consider yourself, you know, dare I say it, normal um, and, yeah. you know, everything's okay? Um, so when I was 10, I got cleared for contact or anything, um, but I see a regular cardiologist at Sydney Uni, Dr. Cordina, yep. so she works in the sporting um, side of things, so she knows um, 
the correlation between sport and my condition, which helps really, really, really good. Um, but otherwise, no, I, I consider myself normal. Um, I don't let my condition hold me back. I've had a few episodes in the past um, with heart palpitations and stuff, but nothing too severe um, that can cause me to you know, detriment my performance. Um, otherwise, I'm just really smart with my, um, my health. I look after myself and I... You know, I'm an athlete, so it helps that I'm fit and healthy because if I was at the end of this, other end of the stick, like, it's yeah, not helping myself my position if I was unhealthy. So, you know. I dare say at times you can uh, pull the old excuse when it comes to the conditioning sessions too or training <laughs> during the pre-season. Just say, hey, no, my ticket's a little bit, how you going? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, probably just to be honest, nah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. Um, if anybody's got an excuse, it's you, Kennedy, that's for sure. Um, I, I d- just want to touch on um, a great year. The Eels uh, obviously going down in the grand final, 32-12. to 12. Uh, I do recall watching the last round of the season, you guys needed a win and probably also needed other things to go your way, but um, they did fall into place. Then you took on the Roosters in the semi-final uh, and absolutely give them a touch-up. And, you know, they were obviously the forms team of the uh, the competition. That must have been a big win. And, and going into the grand final, 42,000 people last week uh, watching you girls play. Talk to us about that experience, Kennedy, uh, to be oh. out there in an NRLW grand final, but also with 42,000-odd people there. Uh, watching um, it was it was an unreal I guess the last three weeks the whole compact scene you know with our team you would have known that we lost the first of all game there's no shying away from that um, 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 so you we, we can't shy away from the fact that we lost the first four games and we were pushed into a corner and basically we had to get ourselves out of there and that's the performance that we put on against the, the Broncos um, who were a great team and also looking to make finals and then we had um, you know the the Roosters game where we had nothing to lose and mm. I don't know whether it was their complacency they got in the way but the first four sets we knew that they weren't in it and um, we just kept giving it to them give it to them and with them they're an awesome team but um, you can't underestimate the underdog and I was so proud of how our um, team bounced back and some people may say that we scraped through but um, you know when push comes to shove and big games come to a rise my team came through and just so proud of us and how we got to the grand final, unfortunately, not not getting the ring, but um, to show that you know you can come from the bottom and all the way come to the top is just an inspiration in my eyes. Yeah, yeah. A credit to our you team, had some big, so. you had some big moments too. Like uh, you led early, try to Brooke Anderson, and then you had that try disallowed, which in the second half, which would have brought you back level, which I thought was pivotal, but. View tonight, we both want to talk about a superstar of the women's game, pound for pound, one of the greatest players to ever lace on a boot, and that is Samima Taufa. What, what a teammate, what a captain, what a speech. I've got to say, it was one of the most inspiring speeches because I was there early to watch the game and then yep. uh, saw her speak. It was absolutely phenomenal. And I guess if that's the type of leader that you have uh, within your squad then it's not hard to follow. Yeah, and I, I actually, you know, I almost cried up in the box. Oh, I'm with you, because 100%. the minute she mentioned family, yep. and she felt like she, her and the team had let people down, I thought, oh, Samima, everyone is so proud of you and your team and what you've accomplished. And I, I bet you you felt the same, Kennedy. Yeah, Louis Samima, she's, she's a captain of... Um, she leads by example, and she isn't one of many words so when she actually got up 
and spoke like that, like it was unreal. And that's the type of player that I want to play with. And I think the last four games, I've really found my mojo with her. And she's led by example and I've gone with her and she's brought the breast out of me. But we kind of mm. complement each other really well. Um, you know, I bring out qualities in her and she brings out qualities in me. So it works really well. And that's why I think, that, especially that Broncos game, like we both ran 250 plus metres in that game. And it was just fun, footy. And that's what I love about my team. Like we finally found our mojo at the end of the season. And unfortunately, there's yeah. not, not enough, um, you know, games to, to come together. But 42,000 people, like, I, it didn't even feel like it because you were so zoned in on the game. It wasn't until after, look around, and I was like, all these people are here for us, us women. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen some comments from a lot of the players that, you know, once this becomes more professional... Because, you know, these, this is why the girls inspire me so much, Buttes. Mm. You know, they go train in the morning, they work all day, train in the afternoon, and yep. look at what they're achieving. Uh, yeah. Imagine when they're full-time athletes. You're, you're right. And, you know, what? I see it to a lesser degree with, you know, I'm coaching the Women's Opens Oztag team up here. And the same thing. Like, I get these girls ringing me saying they can't make training or they need to leave because they've got to, you know, their, their mums, their... You know, they've got to work, they've got to, um, you know, they're on night shift or whatever it is. Like, it's just phenomenal, the effort and time that they put in. And I have no doubt, Kennedy, that, you know, you've got to crawl before you walk. And I think what we have seen, this game, uh, the women's game, they are crawling very fast. They're walking very fast at the moment. And and I think in five, ten years' time, the game is going to be at the status. And, And it must be great for you at the moment to be one of the pioneers of that, which is fantastic. But I also do want to add the fact that I think there's a, uh, you know, congratulations in order for you because you've just been selected for the uh, the Gillaroos playing in the World Cup, which that must be really exciting for you. Thank you, guys. Like, honestly, I thank you what you've contributed to the women's game and giving us the platform to speak as well. But in good news, literally just this morning, it got announced that um, us Gillaroos women will be getting paid um, equal pay to the kangaroos um, will be getting $30,000 and the men will be getting $40,000 given that their comp is a lot longer than ours. So, massive news this morning. Um, you know, we only stand on the shoulders of the women that came before us that were scraping the bottom of the barrel and having to fork out money of their own. And for me, I, I hold this personally um, as a pioneer of the game. You know, I'm only young, but I have a voice to speak and I want to push that agenda that, you know, women's footy heads to that full-time position in the next three to five years and that's something that I really want to push because I am an older sister as well to my baby sister and um, I see some of the women as like my second mum in this game so uh, mm. you know we're so competitive on the field yet we all have a shared common goal in pushing the game towards and that's what I love about our, our, our playing group. Look, I think it's great news that, you know, that, that money is, is forthcoming because, you know, you girls certainly deserve it. There's no doubt about that. And there's a couple of things that stand out for me in terms of the women's game. I think, A, the standard is outstanding. I found myself uh, wanting to get to the game and wanting to get to the game early to watch the, the NRLW Grand Final. Yeah, the other thing too, Buttes, is that history was going to be created. Yeah. It was either going to be the Newcastle Knights or Parramatta winning a first ever... NRLW Premiership. Yeah, so, you know, that in itself is fantastic. The way that you girls, you know, put your bodies on the line, um, it's so physical. I think the skill level has been amazing. And, you know, I I mean that in, um, yeah, very sincerely because I just 
Love how, and I think it's going to get better. And I look at the background, and I know that you've got a rugby union background. I look at some of the girls here. They have touch footy backgrounds. They have rugby union backgrounds. They have Oztag backgrounds. Well, Gail Broughton's an Olympic gold medalist. Olympic, like, it's just amazing. These athletes are coming together and now being rewarded uh, and accepted. And I think the big thing for me is that you are giving young girls uh, a real someone to aspire to be like, someone to look up to, and they see you, you know, day in, day out, week in, week out on TV. I think that platform that you girls are creating here is going to take the game a long, long way. And, you know, uh, I hope you realise what you've managed to achieve here. And, you know, it's not only you, and I know that you, you know, pay homage to those that have come before you. But um, don't underestimate, you know, the impact that you girls are having right now because it's going to be really significant when we look back in 10, 15, 20 years' time, uh, the path that you girls have laid. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Those are very kind words. I'm honestly... But, yeah, I just can't... I think I still have to kick myself that, you know, we are going into this space and it's just unreal where the women's game is taking us and it's happening so, so fast. Um, and you know, for mm. me, it's just just the push because I am an old sister. My baby sister is also in the Parramatta Eels squad as a rookie. And um, imagine, imagine these girls coming through the pathways now that end up in NRLW in the next say eight years, and they've been playing under sixes, under five rugby league right up until now. Like the game is going to change crazy. And if we're producing this quality at the top level with having to work, like you said, imagine us as full time athletes. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're going to have an incredible time under Brad Donald, so reigning champions. There's a mix of absolute legends in your team, including Ali Brigginshaw. I think I saw that the captaincy is going to yep. be rotated mm. with the Gillaroos yep. at this World Cup. Uh, we wish you all the best. I uh, wish we could talk to you for a little longer, actually, but we're getting the wind-up from our producer. <laughs> I'm going up, Kennedy. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get I'm, up, too. Jeez. Oh, it's a little bit hard for me to get up these Congratulations. Days, You're about to have the time of your life with the Gillaroos at, at the World Thanks, Cup. And well done on everything Parramatta has done. And particularly, I just thought it was a beautiful moment at the grand final. The Veronica White medal presentation as mm. Woman of the Year. Well done, Kennedy Charrington. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. We'll chat soon. Have a great day. Well done. Good luck, Tom. Good luck. Kennedy Charrington joining us. I'll tell you the other thing, Buttes. You mentioned about uh, having an impact. You've just got to jump onto Instagram mm -hmm. and have a look at some of the NRLW players. And this is where they're having an enormous impact. Some of them have got 50, 60, 70,000 yeah, followers. Yeah, wow, okay. So that's a, that's a pretty cool platform, isn't it? You bet it is. And, you know, that's the world that we live in, the social media presence and what have you. But um, like I said, these girls are having... these players are having a serious impact on these young girls and she's 100% right I've seen it in Oztag like I look at these under 16s under 18s girls they've been playing Oztag since they were six so they've had 10 12 years of experience that's what's going to happen in 10 years time with rugby league the skill level that these girls are going to have will be absolutely phenomenal it is very good now very good now do, but do, it, it'll do you know, be amazing do you know Buttes as a show I think we will do anything we can to promote what Kennedy's up to yeah. Uh, so we'll share on our Facebook page and across our media platforms. When you look at the front row battle, now you could do this with every team, but this was the grand final. So you've got Caitlin Johnston up against Kennedy Charrington. Yep. Millie Boyle 
up against Ellie Johnston. By the way, uh, the latest news is Millie Boyle's pulled out of the World Cup squad. Yes. And I believe with Millie, now I think I saw in the news that it's because of work commitments. Just work commitments. And again, this is where we're at. And, you know, I wonder whether, and I don't know whether this is possible or not, the fact that she's withdrawn, but now that the girls have got $30,000, uh, will be paid significantly, whether that can change her approach now. Because, you know, yeah. to give up six weeks or eight weeks or whatever it may be. But, but she's got a commitment to her employer. Yes, correct. And, you know, whether they're prepared we're... to offer that and say, okay, you can take time off without being paid, because that $30,000 will help subsidise that. You know, she should be a full-time athlete, Millie Boyle. She doesn't need another another job. She's a superstar of the game. It's You know what? It's really interesting in terms of, you know, what that full-time uh, consists of and, you know, what sort of financial remuneration they should get. Because it's... You know, we're not talking the same dollars as the NRL guys, clearly, right? Because their season is nowhere near as long. What does it mean for a, a female at the moment to be considered full-time, that they can focus their energy? And what does that mean financially? Is that $70,000? Is it $50,000? Is it $100,000? You know, time will tell. Well, well, she is worth her weight in gold on and off the field, not just for the NRLW, but for yep. the NRL in general. And let's not forget, she was in the running for the Veronica White medal as well because of her work with with uh, children with a disability. Yeah, just a, a great role model. Yeah, and Tamika Upton, by the way, is also pulled out of that World Cup squad, so she won the player of the match mm. in the grand final. What about that try where she got on the outside and just put the jets on? Couldn't <laughs> stop her. Yeah. Could and, not stop her. And, of course, she was a superstar with the Brisbane Broncos as well. We've got to get to a break. Uh, this is Saturdays on the Coast. By the way, if you missed any of the interviews, we've got the catch-up podcast. That'll come out a little bit later on today. And coming up at 10.30, can't wait for this one, Todd Payton, the Coach of the Year from the North Queensland Cowboys, joining us on Saturdays on the Coast. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Basketball Stadium. Thank you again to Kennedy Charrington from the Parramatta Reels. Gee, Buttes, haven't women re- revolutionised our game? Yeah, you know what? They've taken it to another level. You know what I love? They're so humble and so grateful for the opportunity and respectful of the fact that they have this, you know, I think they all realise the opportunity they have here and they appreciate the path that has been opened for them. And, you know, they accept the fact that they are just almost leasing their role in this game and they accept that people have come before them and done the hard yards. And they may be reaping the fruits. Hey, Butes, I know you want to talk about the Kangaroo squad, but I just want to ask you quickly. I've seen a lot of negative press this week. I think a lot of it. I think a lot of it is. Hey, you just did that snarling yeah, dog thing that yeah, you do. Yeah. I think a lot of it has come from Paul Kent in the Telegraph about the Penrith Panthers. Now, warranted or unwarranted, I, I haven't seen too much. I mean, there was something at their. Mate, there was something at their post. Uh, you know, their fan day. Look, if Paul Kent is about creating and stirring uh, headlines and clickbait and all those things, he's managed to do it, okay? And if that's his role in the media and and what have you, well, well done, Paul Kent. You've ticked that box. But if we are seriously looking at these players and being critical of what certain things that they said, which we can't be that sensitive to think that by saying Parramatta are our sons... 
can be offensive or he's not humble or he's not, you know, come on. Give, uh, give uh, them a break. These guys have just won back-to-back. Back. Prim- Correct. Back-to-back uh, premiership. They've been the best team in three years, right? And they are probably the best permanent side to have played and to have won a premiership. And, and you know what? They won the minor premiership with about three weeks to go. They've been cherry ripe all year. They're better than last year. They're actually better than the team that won last year against South Sydney, in my opinion. And, mate, they and might be better next year. They could be one of the best sides of our generation. Like, And maybe we go back to Parramatta of 81, 82, 83. Look, we will look back on this side, and if they do have that success next year, and, oh, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't. But, you know, we've had some really good teams in the last 20 years. The likes of, you know, the Storm, the Roosters, uh, and that rain that the Storm had. The Roosters were so dominant. So you look at that Manly back in the... Um, you know, 2008, 2011. Correct. You know, that period there. I look at that and I go, okay, there were some really good teams there. This side is building to be something that, you know, everybody knows that Parramatta side of 81, 82, 83. They can rattle off, you know, the names from there. There's five players in their back line, five or six players in their back line, which you just go down in history as probably one of the greatest back lines of all time. In 10 years' time, we could be well talking about, you know, Cleary, Luai, To'o, uh, Yo. Uh, they will just be names that just roll off the tongue yeah. because they're going to have going to be so dominant. Uh, the other thing too, Buttes, a lot of the time I see, you know, this vision of Nathan, like, you know, they just want to throw this guy under the bus. Uh, you know, so w- what, he had some aviators on, I think there was, they played Danger Zone uh, during the game. Like, who cares? You give the kids a break. Who cares? They are kids. They, you know what? They're enjoying their football. They're from Western Sydney. This is their break. They beat their arch rivals. Mate, big local derby. Again, I think it's the original storm in a teacup. And and like I said earlier, if Paul Kent's role was to create and stir uh, discussion and debate, you know what? Well done, Paul. You managed to achieve it. The only other thing is Fisher Harris, I think, said that, you know, said they're better than 91. But you told me Brandy's even come out and said, well, this team probably is. Greg Alexander said he wasn't offended by that. And I dare say most of the 91s, if not all the 91 players, would probably say, yeah, they probably are a better side than us. And So what's wrong with that? You know, call it how it is. The, the last three years, they've lost 11 games or 12 games. In three years, they are a damn good side. And I don't find anything they did throughout the celebrations as offensive. And if we do believe that that is offensive, then, well, I'm wrong and I'll accept that, but... I'll tell you what, if we're going down that path in society, that's got to be really concerning. Yeah, and gee, I tell you, what a, what a, what a squad they are. They're all still pretty much kids. Uh, Butte, I know you want to talk about the Kangaroos. We'll do that a little bit later yep. in the show. We've got to get to the news. Todd Payton, Coach of the Year, is coming up next on Saturdays on the Coast. The SEN app is now compatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So connect your car now to listen anywhere, anytime. Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, welcome back. We're live at Terrigal Basketball Stadium. The trials are being held this morning. Steve Allen and alongside me, Michael Butner, who played almost 300 games in the National Rugby League. Butes, I might get you to pick up here. We're about to go live to far north Queensland, beautiful Townsville, and the coach of the year, but one of your former teammates and a premiership winner as well. Yeah, it certainly is. The big hombre, as uh, yeah. Rabs Warren described him when he scored that try in the 2005 grand final. Uh, as you said, Steve, we'll put our hands together. And yes. I know you love a standing ass, so I'll get up also, but for... Uh, 
the Coach of the Year in 2022, Todd Payton. Welcome to the show. Morning. How are we? Mate, we are fantastic. What a year you had, mate. Uh, I guess most of the so-called experts were putting the Cowboys at least down in the bottom four teams in the competition, but uh, uh, what a year it's been for you guys. And, um, you know, some outstanding performances from the players, um, the way that they have, I guess, grown and become such a strong team. Yeah, really proud of the fact um, you know, of the team that we became. Certainly, it was a lot of, on the back of a lot of hard work. Um, we got some talented players, and we played some really, really good footy. Um, and you know, they didn't have us in the bottom four. They had us at wooden spooners, mate. So the so-called experts. But um, we worked really hard. Um, I knew halfway through the season that we were, we were a really good team, and the players started to believe it on the back of that. Um, we just fell short in the end, and um, hopefully that drives us on to work hard again this off-season period. Todd, I, I love some of the stories that the players shared. So, Scotty Drinkwater's in your team from Terrigal, so grew up just down the road from where we are this morning. And I heard Chad Townsend on Triple M a couple of weeks ago, and I love that he spoke about the pre-season, and there was a barbecue at your place where the whiteboard came out and pretty much the spine were invited, and they spoke about what they wanted to achieve and some of the plays they're going to run in 2022. Can you pick up the story there? Yeah, oh, look, we just, we've got all the, you know, the key on-field drivers to come around to my place, and we just had a bit of a barbecue and talk about all things football, really, um, their thoughts and where they wanted to take the team. Um, I have some strong beliefs on the way that we should be playing football, but in the end, it's the players that need to go out on the field and execute that. And um, you know, it was all our spine players. You know, hooker, fullback, half of five eight, um, young and old. So they all had their you know their two cents worth, and um, we formulated a game plan or an attacking style off the back of that. Um, in the end, um, you know, they're the guys out there driving the bus, so to speak, and it, and it worked. The impact uh, Chad Townsend had on the uh, the club and the side was pretty significant, and uh, when you combine that with Tom Dearden and his contribution, you know, I feel that he basically took his game to another level um, this year, and um, I, I think initially when he came into grade at the Broncos there, um, he wasn't well. He was uncertain as to what his role was and how to play it. But to have someone like uh, Chad Townsend there playing that role and managing the game, obviously allowed him to, um, I guess, play the way he did this year. And then add to that, Scotty Drinkwater and what he's able to provide for you guys. Um, I know he played five eight last year and a bit of fullback. And um, again, I think that ability for him just to play that ad lib role and um, that's where he's at his best. Um, that those three players there were really significant in, um, I guess, creating those opportunities for you in attack. Yeah, Chad, Chad had a great effect on us as a club and you know, on and off the pitch. Really experienced guy. When we first sat down and talked with him about the prospect of coming to our club, um, Chad really understood his game, what worked for him. Um, he was an out-and-out professional and... What he's provided us on the park is absolute clarity. You know, he's a game manager, he's a really good communicator, 
um, and then around that, that people just fell into place. You know, whether it's down his right edge, he was a really good educator for Jeremiah um, Nanai, who's you know limited games of experience, and then our middle forwards. They just they just love knowing what he wanted from them and where they needed to be. And then off the back of that, he took the pressure off Scotty Drinkwater. And he took the pressure off Tommy Deere, so they could just play to their natural game, which Tommy's, Tommy's natural strength is to run the ball. And Scotty didn't have to worry about, you know, setting up plays and what parts of the field we needed to get to. And, you know, didn't have to worry too much about what needed to be done on last play because Chad had orchestrated that throughout the whole set. And, um, you know, that's the, the impact he had for us on the field. And then off the park, he just worked really hard on our connection as a group, um, you know, he thinks about life and uh, football a little bit differently than most he's got his own uh, YouTube channel, he's got his own beer company they're just starting a, a, a clothing range, a golf clothing range, him, Val and, and Drinky and you know the best part for me as a coach, what I enjoyed about coaching our lads is how much fun they were having away from footy as much as we were having fun, you know, on the trainer pitch. So, um, you know, it showed in the way that we played footy. Hey, Todd, I just want to say congratulations on your speech too at the Dally M's. I love that. Well done, mate, on, on winning Coach of the Year. I, I just want to go back to your old club momentarily because I was there doing the presentation on probably one of your best days as a coach where you led the West Tigers to a thumping win over the Canberra Raiders on grand final day in the NYC's, uh, the youth competition. And you just wonder about the West Tigers because you won a grand final with them at senior level, you coached their juniors to a grand final, and that day I thought, wow, the West Tigers are on the right track here with all these sensational juniors. And then you fast forward a decade and they've had one of their toughest years on record, no doubt about it. What are your thoughts about your former club? Oh, look, it's disappointing just to watch the struggles that they've had. Um, you know, it's a big part of my life, and that club will always be a part of me. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's a difficult one. Um, I've got my head firmly focused in what we're doing as a club, so whatever happens outside our club, I'm not too fussed. But as a former player and how much that place means to me, I'd love for them to get it right. Um, I'm optimistic around what they've done with Tim and Bench. Um, you know, the, the, the most positive thing I see about Tim taking over is that he'll make long-term decisions around development and he's not going to be swayed by results. And he'll be able to give Benji, who's a really smart football person, the ability to grow and develop and find his own style um, and help him be able to generate a football program. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. I'm really optimistic that they can get it right. Yeah, it's great answer. Time, and that's, that's how I thought you'd answer it. And uh, all class, isn't he? And we oh. spoke earlier, Buttes, about Matt Simon, about sitting alongside, alongside someone in the dressing room. Todd Payton would be that guy, wouldn't he? Oh, Todd 100%. Payton and John Scandalis? Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, he had a stellar career. You know, you think about the, the clubs that he played with. Uh, some 13, 14 seasons in the NRL at the top level and 259 games. Uh, Todd, I'm just curious about what 2023 looks like for the Cowboys. Um, I would imagine that 
there doesn't need to be a hell of a lot of adjustments, but from a roster point of view, have there been any uh, changes? And I guess when you look at, uh, you know, some of the players that have come through, Cotter, uh, Nanai, uh, Valentine Holmes was in outstanding form, uh, Luciano Leilua, and of course, you know, Tamalola, who, you know, he's a big part of what the Cowboys are all about. But um, is there much to change in terms of where you guys are at? And I guess it's just maybe a little bit of moulding and shaping. Yep. So from a roster point of view, we've only got two guys that won't be here next year, and that's Hammersall and, and Tommy Gilbert. Uh, Hammersall yep. is looking for an opportunity to play fullback. Um, and Tommy Gilbert, he made some family decisions, um, you know, which made him decide to go to uh, the Dolphins, you know. And he was making the decision for the right reasons, which I admired about the kid. Um, so we've got some stability moving forward. We've got three spots left. We're talking to some players currently who have got some first-grade experience. Um, we're not a club at the moment. I think we can go and try and sign players that haven't played first row, that's a little bit of a risk for mine and where our group's development's at. Um, we have some players currently in our squad that we're trying to sign as well, like Reese Robson, um, George McLean needs to get done for another 12 months. We're close to that. Sarah Mine and I, again, we're looking to secure him. So those things are still moving along in the background. Um, from a football point of view, we take took, taking some strong leaps forward, but there are still parts of our game that we can improve. Um, we are too clean at the ruck. Uh, we have a young squad, and they're very literal with the referee, and they don't understand the little techniques, latent tackles that can squeeze just, you know, it might be half a second or a second out of mm. each tackle, and, you know, you can move three or four metres in half a second, and, you know, you get your, your mindset and we can defend and make smart decisions off the back of that. So, you know, just pushing the boundaries in, in that part of our game will help us improve. Um, we need to stay focused on the things that got us to here, you know, competing on kicks, um, whether we're defending or attacking, is a real strength for ours. Um, we've got some footy in us, and we, we've got to stay fit and hungry. And, you know, I'll, I'll back our fitness across the competition and we just need to work really, really hard and, and drive and be better week after week as we go forward. Yeah. Yeah, that means more runs at Castle Hill during the off-season. Uh, hey, Butte, I'm glad... I know you've got another question for Todd, but I'm glad he mentioned about Tom Gilbert. I, I think that was one of the stories of the year. So he's a Brisbane boy through and through. I think he's got a twin brother, and Todd mentioned about family reasons, and him making his origin debut in front of his family and friends was one of the great moments, I thought, when yeah. Queensland won the Origin Series this year. You better. And, you know, I look at that, Todd, and you, and you look at, you know, the likes of Tom Gilbert, Ruben Cotter, um, that have just excelled. Murray Talungi. Murray Talungi. You know, the, the, some of these guys in there on the Australian side, mate, that must, as a coach, that must give you a lot of, a sense of pride, a, a sense of achievement in terms of being able to take these young kids from where they were and, and see them progress as quickly as they have. Yeah, I've had some, you know, great moments watching those players grow and develop on and off the park and you know it's a, a great reflection on our club through that origin period we had 10 players involved in the respective squads we should have had six players play George McLean got injured and we had five debutants and they all 
did himself proud and you know the Queensland guys in particular Tommy did and when he ran out in that third origin and he smiled and, and was in that moment soaking it all up I was really proud and really happy as a kid from where he started when he got here to where he is now and he, and he got involved and set up that first try for Val and had a couple of beers under the belt and um, yeah got a little bit of emotionals yeah, it was a good time really proud yeah. of the quality of hey. the kids that we got uh, Todd, really just one hard. more. Yeah. So, sorry, mate. Sorry to interrupt. Just one more very quick one. I remember the late, great Steve Folks. If you asked him his thoughts on the grand final, there's a fair chance if Canterbury weren't in it, he wouldn't even watch. So <laughs> did you see last week? If so, what were your thoughts of Penrith going back-to-back in 2022? I watched it. Um, I didn't have the TV on at any stage up until kickoff, uh, because that hurt too much just watching the pre-game and the, the, the stuff from Cara and Penrith through the week. Um, about the game, I thought it's probably the best 60 minutes I've seen from a football team in a long, long time. Well, Penrith mm. just physically uh, dominant and just relentless in the pressure that they applied. And it was, yeah, it was, it was impressive. It was impressive. And um, I admire what Ivan has done with that club and the order that they're, they're in. And something that we're aspiring to, to do up here, um, get our pathway system right. This is not league heartland. And, you know, rugby league is so uh, important to people in Townsville and in our footprint. So we want to work hard and to where Penrith are at. Yeah, I think, I think the job what Ivan has done is suddenly set a benchmark for all clubs to aspire to and try to, to, try to get to. Because, yeah, and that's to not win gonna, everything, Pius. That's not going to be easy. That's not going to be easy. Toddy, Every single grade. Yeah, 100%. Toddy, I appreciate your time, mate. It's been fantastic, Toddy. <laughs> Congratulations on the award this year. Very, very well deserved, mate. And uh, we wish you all the very best for 2023. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Take it easy. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, how good. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. You know, the point he made, I know we've got to go to a break, but the point he made about only having to make two changes with his roster, Nathan Brown talked to me about that. He said the good sides, if you're making two changes, you're not going to get them wrong. If you've got to make someone like the Dragons or, you know, West Tigers, they've got to make multiple changes. You've got to make 10, 15 changes within your group. You're going to get some of those wrong, right? And that's the hardest part. You've got to get yourself to a point where teams like the Roosters, teams like the Storm, they don't make a lot of adjustments in what they're doing. Yeah, and let's not forget Todd wins Coach of the Year in a year when Ivan Cleary wins the minor premiership three weeks out from the end of the year. Craig Fitzgibbon has an amazing year. There's plenty of guys that were lining up, but this guy, like I said, we touched about it before, all the experts, so-called experts, were, you know, had the uh, Cowboys as wooden spooners. You know I'm big on culture, and look at what he's creating in far north Queensland. They're going to have success for the next decade under Todd Payton. 100%. Uh, off to a break. We desperately need to get to a break. This is Saturdays on the Coast. All thanks to Robson Civil Projects, a third-generation family company celebrating their 60th anniversary, and also McDonald Jones Homes on SEN.
Robson Civil, with over 60 years of leading civil constructions experience. Visit robsoncivilprojects.com.au. BJ Howes Metal Land, the coast's tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. You're listening to Saturdays on the Coast. Yeah, we're live at Terrigal Basketball Stadium. Thanks to Kili Akamamoy and Moose Rebilliard for lining this up. A final minute of the show. Butte's not enough time to go to Mount Panorama. Good luck to... Michael Caruso, mm. who's sponsored by Robson Civil Projects. In fact, they've been long-term sponsors of Michael's career. Also, uh, last year, Chaz Mostert was the winner. Uh, looks like there could be some wet and wild oh, weather. There was some carnage yesterday. I watched a few of the highlights. I'm looking forward to the uh, top 10 shootout this afternoon, 5 o'clock. Yep. Big weekend. I love sitting down watching Bathurst and... Uh, yeah, not that I'm into the motor racing, but it's Bathurst, mate. Yeah. you just got to watch it. Yeah, iconic. And yeah. it's the 50th anniversary since Peter Perfect, Peter mm. Brock, won Bathurst. And I think hey. also this is the last Holden race. Yes. You're going to Chevy's next year or something along those lines. Countdown is on to the Mariners. The F3 derby later on this mm-hmm. afternoon at 5. Buttes uh, later on tonight, around about 7.30, the late show. I'll be watching the Sydney Super League water polo. Corey uh, and his team, the Hunter Hurricanes. Uh, will take on Dremoyne Devils uh, in their first round. Big clash. Last year they finished on the podium and Dremoyne have got about four or five Olympians in their team. So good luck to the Hunter Hurricanes. Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you next week on Saturdays on the Coast.